When I was thinking about the sermon today, I was like, listen, if there was a time that you were going to cause some maybe conversation, you were going to cause some maybe uh, division, you were going to cause some maybe arguments, there's no better time to do that than when something ends. So I am going to do that this morning. Uh, So here's the deal. How many of you can maybe think back to 2015 when there was this viral image called the dress? Uh, There's going to be a dress on the screen. Oh, yeah. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a little poll in the room to see, uh, we're going to find out some things about each other. So when you see this image, how many of you see gold and white? Okay, some of you. Good, good, good. All right. Now, how many of you, when you look at that image, you see black and blue? Crazy. Do you see those hands? Unbelievable. It. I still, anytime I see that, like, I don't know if you... You, when I look at that, I see gold and white. And when I hear people see black and blue, it literally blows my mind. But back in 2015, this image took the internet by storm. In one week, it was shared 10 million times, which back then was a really big deal. But when this came out, scientists did not understand why this happened. Like, they had some theories, but when even they saw this, they're like, how in the world? So what they began to do was they began studying and trying to come up with some hypothesis of, like, why this image was happening. Because it's crazy that two people can see the exact same thing and then both walk away with a different result. So one neuroscientist spent multi-years doing a research study on why people saw this image. And it's still not fully conclusive, but here's one of the main theories. Is that if you are a morning person, you tend to see this image as gold and white. And if you are a night person, you tend to see this image as black and blue. And here's the why. Um, Because how we see and interpret light determines how we interpret color. And so when we get most of our information from the morning, we see things one way, and we get most of our information from the evening, we see things another way, which is just crazy and really just really interesting to me. But when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about this. It's crazy how we will make decisions based on old information, Right, Because our brains, we, we've trained our brains of this is how we're supposed to see something. And then when new information comes about, we tend to struggle with it. We may even tend to reject it, maybe even unknowingly. Now, what's even crazier is when we do this with God. Right, We've been living by an old set of values or an old mindset or old circumstances or old behaviors. And, and when God wants to do something new in our life, we always default to the old assumptions. Right, We always tend to make decisions based on the old ways instead of allowing God to do something new in our lives. Two weeks ago, we studied the passage on the rich young ruler. Right? We learned that this guy had everything. If there was a summer glow-up checklist to have, he would have had it all. He had the career, he had the money, he had the education. He had everything, but he was missing one thing. He was missing Jesus. You see, the rich young ruler saw God as just a, or Jesus just as a good teacher instead of a good, job, uh, a good God. 
And when he was presented with who Jesus really was, he ended up walking away sad and alone and into the darkness. Well, today we are going to finish up Luke 18, and we're going to hear a testimony from a blind man, a blind man who saw Jesus not with his eyes, but with his heart. And interestingly enough, we're going to get a lesson on what faith looks like and what seeing looks like from a man who couldn't see at all. So again, we're going to be finishing up Luke 18. We're going to go right to the end of the chapter. And this morning, we're going to jump into right into verse 35. So you can follow along on the screen, pull it up in the app. But we're going to be in verse 35. And it reads like this. As he drew near to Jericho, being Jesus, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, uh, in Luke, this journey that Jesus has been on, it says that Jesus draw near to Jericho. This journey for Jesus started all the way back in Luke chapter 9. And there, I think we have a map. We're going to get really nerdy this morning. All right. And so here is a map. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus was all the way up at the Sea of Galilee. And then all the way through all of these chapters, Jesus has been working his way down to the, oh, geez, the city of Jericho. And at this point in scripture, we are about a week away from Jesus making the giant, there's, this is a 3,000 feet of elevation, climbing up to Jerusalem to eventually die on the cross for our sins. And now when you read the other gospel accounts about this story, we learn that this blind man had a name. This blind man's name was Bartimaeus. And in fact, he is the only one in scripture that received a miracle that we know their name, which is incredible. Now, if you are a Bible scholar, you may know that there is a Jericho in the Old Testament, right? Some of you may be familiar with the story, right? There is the, the Jericho and Joshua and walking around the city seven times and then the walls came tumbling down. That's not this Jericho. Because in this time frame, there were two Jerichos. There was the old Jericho and the new Jericho. And so what we're looking at here today is the new Jericho. Now, because this was a gateway city to Jerusalem, this Jericho was like the place to be. This was known to be a kind of like resort community. The weather was amazing. It had multiple water sources. So like people would go to vacation there. This was like the place to be. If you needed something, you went to Jericho. And then if you were Jewish and you would celebrate Passover, you would eventually need to make the journey all the way through and stop at Jericho to make your way to Jerusalem. So Jericho was like a really cool place. It was the place to be. And it was a common junction point for guys like Bartimaeus to sit and to beg. Because back in those times, there, there was no like social services, right? If you had an ailment, you had a disability, the only avenue you had was to beg. So Bartimaeus is in Jericho. He's sitting on the roadside day after day after day, seeing and, or hearing people pass by begging for someone to have mercy on him. But then in this day, the day we're talking about this morning, something was different. 
right? Something was different. And it says that, that he noticed something. He began hearing something. There was a buzz in the air. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a moment, maybe you've been at a concert or you've just been in an environment where you don't see something, but you feel something, right? You, you just feel there's something electric in the air. There's something different about this moment. And that's what Bartimaeus is experiencing. So he feels something happening. And then, and then he says to someone, hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening in this moment? And they respond, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So as this moment's happening, let's continue to see, well, where does it go from here? Verse 38, it reads, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, first things first, I think it's very interesting that the crowd called Jesus by his location, right? The crowd recognized him as as Jesus is just that guy from that town. While Bartimaeus recognized Jesus by his position. Now, remember, this wouldn't have been the first time Bartimaeus heard about this man named Jesus, right? We, we learned about Jericho, that Jericho is that junction city. So all the way from Luke chapter 9 to Luke 8 to 18, Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road, right? And day after day after day is hearing stories, right? There's this guy named Jesus. He, he's doing these miracles. He, he's teaching these things. And day after day after day, he's beginning to hear the stories and beginning to put together the facts of who this man named Jesus is. And then he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, why is it important that he called him son of David? Because Bartimaeus was not operating in blind faith. You know, sometimes if you have been in the faith for a while, you've been a Christian for a while, someone may accuse you of, of you don't have any facts. You, you, you just operate in blind faith, but that's not what Bartimaeus was doing here. You see, as Bartimaeus was sitting on the roadside and hearing all these things about Jesus and hearing about the miracles and hearing about the teaching, he began putting the facts together because Bartimaeus knew what the Old Testament said. Bartimaeus knew what was being said in the Old Testament. So Bartimaeus came to this conclusion, that Jesus was who he said he was. That Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And we know that is because if you go back to the Old Testament, to 2 Samuel, 600 years before Jesus was born, it says this, 2 Samuel chapter 7, For when you die, being David, and you are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. In this passage, 600 years before Jesus, God is promising that through the line of David, there would come a man that God would establish his forever kingdom through. 
and that Jesus was the promised Messiah and Jesus would be our hope and our future. One of the first things I think Bartimaeus teaches us through this passage is that faith sees Jesus for who he really is. Our faith sees Jesus for who he really is. Jesus wasn't just a good teacher, right? He just wasn't some wise guy, like someone you're supposed to listen to, or maybe he had some practical insights of how to live a better life. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus isn't someone, one of those spiritual leaders that, you know, are listed among the Muhammads and the Buddhas. No, Jesus is different. Jesus is God. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Bartimaeus saw Jesus for who he really is. And a question for you and I this morning is, how do we see Jesus? Like when we think about this, how do we see Jesus? Because for you and I, this is a true life or death decision. And for Bartimaeus, through faith, not blind faith, he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus saw Jesus for who he really was. So let's hop back into the text and see how Jesus responds to this moment. Verse 39, it says, For those that were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The second thing I think Bartimaeus teaches us about faith is faith requires us to get out of our comfort zone. Faith requires us to get out of our comfort zone. A couple of things here. Never be surprised when you finally get to a place of claiming of who Jesus really is that you don't experience resistance. Uh, You know, this man who was motivated by faith, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, experiences a moment where the crowd says, can you just be quiet? Like, and this, you know, Bartimaeus trying to live out his faith, trying to call on Jesus, and, and the crowd says, hey, shush, we, we don't want you to hear from you right now. Never be surprised that you'll experience resistance. I know some of your stories. I know there have been moments where you've finally gotten to a place where you're trying to do the Jesus thing and you're trying to live out your faith that you have family members who don't understand. And you'll have family members who start questioning you and you'll have friends that start laughing at you or you'll have friends that say, hey, I remember the old you. You know, to me, the old you is a lot more fun and and now you're doing this Jesus thing and you're not going to certain places, you're not saying certain things, you're not looking at certain things and and man, I I don't understand this so I'm criticizing you and I'm laughing at you. Or some of us deal with a culture. Right, some of us deal with a culture that's trying to silence you and saying, no, no, we don't really want to hear about your Jesus. We don't want to hear about your faith. And for you and I, when we experience that, instead of shrinking back, instead of just saying, you know what, you know, I'm just going to remain silent. I'm just going to remain quiet. I, I'm going to have a private faith. I'm going to have a, a very private, no one's really going to know what I stand for. No one's going to really know who I love. No, no one's going to really know who the Lord of my life is. We need to get to a place of getting louder. We need to get to a place of moving out of our comfort zone and moving into the presence of Jesus. 
Because some of you aren't experiencing all that God has for you because you are living and not only living, you are planted in your comfort zone. Because Bartimaeus could have done that, right? Bartimaeus could have just remained seated on the roadside. You know, when he decided to speak up the second time and and someone said, you know, to shush, he could have just said, you know what, they're probably right. You know what, I I don't need need a miracle in my life. I don't need to be restored by God. You know what, I'm just going to remain on the roadside and I'm going to remain silent. But Bartimaeus decided to move out of his comfort zone and live out his faith and experience what Jesus had for him. Now, I also want to look at the language here, right? It's really important when we look at the original language that we see what's happening. And I want to point out, it says he cried out, the crowd attempted to silence him, and then he cried out all the more. Now, if you look at the original translation of that, he cried out all the more, this kind of translates to him literally screaming, right? Sometimes we have a very nice view of scripture, So we have this view of Bartimaeus being like, Jesus. (laughs) And then the crowd going, oh, shush, shush, shush. And him saying, Jesus. Like, like we have a very, like, we, we, we have a very, you know, simple view of scripture. But when you look at the translation here, this was like socially embarrassing. It even uses the word, he started to be animalistic. Right? Bartimaeus was desperate. He needed to experience Jesus, and when he cried out all the more, he was screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, some of us love to be in this moment of just living in safe Christianity, right? We, we just love being in a place of, we love our simple life and, and our simple faith, and we look at Jesus as an add-on. Right, how many of you signed up for like Apple, you know, the Apple services and like you're kind of looking at all the different services and you're kind of looking, you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna add this on. Right, I like my life and I like my dreams and my values and I like my world and my, you know, my stuff. And, you know, I've come to church and Jesus seems cool. You know, I'm a fan of Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And so I'm just gonna add Jesus Jesus as an add-on to my life. Right, and, we, and we, get the, we get the daily Bible verse and we come to church like every three months and, and we have this mode of like, hey, I like safe Christianity. I like Jesus just being an add-on to my life. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to radical faith. God calls us to live out our faith, not be fans of Jesus, but followers of Jesus. So maybe it's time for you to get out of your comfort zone and to move into a place that Jesus can really work in your life, that you can experience all that God has for you. So are you playing it safe? Are you living in a mode of just doing the safe Christianity or are you ready to experience everything that Jesus has for you in your life? Well, let's see how Jesus responds to this crazy moment. Verse 40, it says, Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. 
And immediately he recovered his sight. He followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is an incredible scene. Jesus hears the cry of this man and asks this man, and I mean, like an unbelievable question. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Jesus basically gave this man a proverbial blank check. And this man's response meant everything. You see, this man named Bartimaeus saw Jesus as Lord. And he also saw that not only did he have a physical need, but he also, and more importantly, had a spiritual one. He believed Jesus to be God, and he saw that Jesus was worthy of his faith. And in an instant, this man experienced life change. And that's because I think the third thing that Bartimaeus teaches us is that faith in Jesus is necessary for life change. Faith in Jesus is necessary for life change. And again, I want us to look at the original language that Luke chooses to use here. Because when you look at this word sight and you dig into the meaning that's used, in the original language, it had a double meaning. It didn't just have one meaning, it had a double meaning. So it, yes, it meant that he was physically, his, his sight was physically restored, but more importantly, and literally, it meant he was spiritually saved. So Bartimaeus knew that he had a physical problem, but more importantly, he knew he had a spiritual one that he could not solve on his own, and he cried out to Jesus, Lord, restore my sight, not just my eyes, but my heart. And this man, in an instant, experienced life change. A few chapters before, we we learned about the rich young ruler. He saw Jesus just as a good teacher. But this blind man saw Jesus for who he really is. He, He moved out of his comfort zone, and then he experienced life change by putting his faith in Jesus. And Jesus and Jesus alone. So this is what I think the main thing we need to see out of this text, and that's this. How we see Jesus changes everything. How we see Jesus changes everything. I think it is amazing that we are getting a lesson on how to see from a blind man. This man saw Jesus for who he really was, that he was the Messiah, And Bartimaeus put his faith and trust in Jesus, not based on blind faith, but based on the facts. This man put all the facts together and he said, I have come to the conclusion that this man is who he says he is. This man is worthy of my faith and I'm gonna put my, I'm going all in with this guy. I'm giving all my chips in and cries out to God, Jesus, not only restore my sight, but restore my soul. And this man experiences life change because how he saw Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just another guy on the spiritual shelf of leaders. No, this man was king. This man was Lord. Jesus was who he said he was. How we see Jesus changes everything. And my guess is that some of you may be in the room today or maybe you're watching online need to get to a place of seeing Jesus for the first time. 
You know, you, you, you've done the church thing and maybe you're a fan of Jesus, right? Like Jesus is cool. Like Jesus, I, I've learned about Jesus. Like I've maybe grown up in church my whole life. Like he seems like a really cool dude. And every once in a while, I get like a spiritual tip on like how to better my life. That's not what God calls us to. Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for followers. And maybe some of you for the first time need to get to a place of saying, I have a spiritual need that I cannot solve on my own. And that is called sin. And that sin separates us from God, but God being a loving God had his son Jesus come to earth, live a perfect life, a sinless life, went and died on the cross for our sin. That if we believe in Jesus and put our faith in Jesus and claim Jesus as Lord, that we are saved, that we are free, that we become sinless, that we become heirs of God and that you and I experience eternal life. Some of you maybe for the first time need to get to a place that you see Jesus. But when I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about my own life, sometimes the problem is, is, is at some point we gave our, our life to Jesus, right? We put our faith in Jesus, we've given our life to Jesus, but you know, because whatever happened in our life, like we've just been beaten down and we got stuff going on and we got circumstances and we got problems and we got things in our life. And we used to see Jesus so clearly, but for whatever reason, our focus is no longer on Jesus, right? For some of us, maybe we've been so busy looking at our problems or looking at our circumstances or, or looking at the things in our life that we've taken our eyes off Jesus. You know, Bartimaeus could have remained seated on the roadside. I mean, he had every reason to complain, right? He had nothing. His circumstances were terrible. He was blind. He was poor. He was sitting on the roadside, living in a rich city, getting to hear about all the amazing stories, about all the amazing people. He could have just remained seated there, dwelling on his problems, but he chose to see Jesus. And through that experience, life changed. But what happens when you and I just remain focused on our problems? And when I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about scripture and just other people in the Bible. And you know, Bartimaeus brought up this guy named David, and I was thinking about David's life. If you go back to the Old Testament, there's an incredible story of, of David when he was a young boy. Some of you maybe know the story of David and Goliath. Right? Some of you maybe grew up in church and you know that story. Some of you just maybe know that's a football thing, right? Like it's David and the Goliath and we're the little ones and they're the big ones and we're gonna conquer it. But in that story, I wanna unpack it for you. If you go back, uh, David at the time was 13 years old. He was a kid. And so at the time, there was a battle waging for the promised land. You had the Israelites on one side and you had the Philistines on the other. These were two big armies and the Israelites had God on their side and the Philistines hated God. So there became a moment, there was a battle about to be waged and the Israelites were on one side of the mountain and, and the Philistines were on the other side of the mountain. There was this giant valley in between. And so as the battle's about to start, out walks a man named Goliath. Scripture tells us he was nine feet tall, he was mean, he was ugly, and he was ready to fight. And he walks out from the crowd and says, who among you will fight me? 
Because if you fight me and I win, you become our slaves. And if you beat me, which you won't, we'll become your slaves. So the Israelites seeing this are controlled by fear. All they see is their problem. All they see is their circumstance. All they see is the man standing in front of them and they have taken their eyes off the living everlasting God. And then walks David, 13 year old boy, just getting ready to deliver some cheese and bread and says, uh, hey, what's all the fuss about? And they're like, there's this guy, he's nine feet tall. He's a problem, he's big, he's scary. And David says, um, do you remember who our God is? And so there's some conversation and then Saul says, you know what, if you really wanna fight him, sure, you're just a kid, but like, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let you try. And so David goes out, he gets some smooth stones and he takes it in a sling and he walks out on the battlefield, not looking at that giant, but looking at that God, his God. And he swings his sling and he throws that rock and that giant came down. David saw his God. He didn't, he didn't see the obstacle. He didn't see the circumstance. He didn't see what just felt so impossible. He saw who his God was. Church, David saw something that day, just like the blind man saw something that day. Not with his eyes, but with his heart. That with God on our side, anything is possible. And I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know what struggle you've had. I don't know what circumstance you're in right now. But what are you busy focusing on? Are you so wrapped up in your situation that you're sitting on the roadside and Jesus is saying, what do you want me to do? I'm here. But we're so busy fixing our eyes on our problems. We're fixing our eyes on our finances. We're fixing our eyes on that relationship. We're fixing our eyes on our health. And Jesus is saying, hey, look at me. Because with me, anything is possible. And here's the beautiful thing and, and, and the realistic thing about what happens when we start growing in faith. When we grow in faith, we also grow in trust. And as we grow in trust, we get to a place when we look at our problem, we say, God, whatever you decide to do, I'm going to trust you. God, it may not be the way I want you to heal. It may not be the way I want you. But as I grow in faith and as I lay my life before your feet, I also grow in trust saying, Jesus, however you decide to heal, however you decide to fix this circumstance, God, whatever you decide to do in this moment, I am simply going to trust you. Because when we see Jesus as Lord, all of the other things in our life all the other circumstances, all the other problems just seem to get smaller and smaller and smaller because Jesus is Lord. How we see Jesus changes everything. So as we close, here's what I wanna challenge you this morning. It is how do you see Jesus? 
Some of you maybe for the first time again have never placed your faith in Jesus, have never gotten to a place of calling Jesus Lord. Maybe for the first time you need to get to a place of saying, I am putting my faith and trust in Jesus. But some of you also maybe, you, you, you know Jesus is Lord, but you've taken your focus off Jesus and Jesus actually looks really small in your life right now. And maybe this morning you need to be reminded who Jesus is. You need to see Jesus for who he really is, that he is Lord. And when you look at your problems and you look at your circumstances, you're not seeing that, you are seeing Jesus and allowing him to work in your life and trusting him with the timetable and trusting him with the plan. How do you see Jesus? And so what I wanna do as I, we close this series is I just wanna take some time to pray. I wanna take some time to pray for those that maybe for the first time wanna give their life to Jesus or wanna to get to a place of saying, I don't know all the answers, I don't know all the facts, I don't know all the Bible verses, but I know I have a problem and I know Jesus is the solution. And I also wanna take time to pray for those that maybe have just taken their focus off Jesus. You're, you spent so much time maybe sitting on the roadside instead of getting up and allowing Jesus to say, what do you want me to do? And you get to say back, Jesus, just have mercy on me. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray for those in the room right now that maybe have never come to a place of putting their faith in you. They have been fans of you, but if they're honest, they have not been followers of you. And God, I pray in this moment that if they're ready to experience you for the first time, God, that they would pray a prayer like this, that Jesus, I know I have a sin problem. I have done things in my life that have, I am fallen short of who you are. And God, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the verses. I don't know all the things, but here is what I do know, that I am putting my faith and trust in you that you are the solution to my sin and you are the solution for me to live a life fulfilling and for me to live a life to experience eternal life. And God, in this moment, I also pray for those that maybe have taken their focus off you. They have spent so much time looking at their problem that their problem now looks like a giant. And God, I pray that this moment right now that they will bring their eyes and their focus back to Jesus and they spend reflecting in your image that the only thing that will get reflected back is your hope. And they will be overwhelmed with your hope and be overwhelmed with your love and have true perspective on that situation, God. That you are who you say you are. That you are Lord, that you are King, and that you are our Savior. And God, I pray that you will encourage their heart and draw them near to you. So Father, we love you, we thank you, and in your name, amen.